Um, All right, so who are you and what are you doing here? I'm Adam Lieb. I'm the founder and CEO of GameSite. Uh, GameSite is a growth marketing platform for PC console and web games. Okay, growth marketing platform. We hear a lot, a lot about that now. So what specific components of growth marketing does GameSite do? Yeah, no, great question. So we've described growth on three pillars. The first is data. So we plug in marketing data, game data, revenue data, public data, things like Twitch streams, YouTube, wallet data. The second pillar is what we call channels, basically like where can you acquire users, whether that's influencers, social search, DSP, display, all that kind of fun stuff. And then the last is measurement uh, attribution. So that's actually figuring out what is your crossword install, your LTV, return on ad spend, all that fun stuff. And we do that for uh, games across PC console and Interesting. So um, you I guess is the core differentiator the fact that you're because like the obvious comparison is it is a traditional MMP which is you know mobile attribution. It's funny if you say traditional for MMP Business moves fast, yeah. I don't <laughs> um, so is that a fair comparison or is that an inaccurate representation? Is it just a piece of what you do? No, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good comparison for a piece of our business, which is measurement side, uh, absolutely the case. So we really pioneered measurement for PC, console, Steam, Xbox, PlayStation. We're really the only game in town for uh, measurement, and I think it's exactly a great comparison to uh, Additionally, I think we've built more on top there since we're only focused on games. I think MMPs focus on games and travel and every other thing. But Apple World, I think for us, since we only focus on games, we're able to build more game specific applications. Um, and that's things like you uh, basically have like an influencer DSP built on top of our platform, which makes hmm. sense when you're with content creators to build and grow a game. Um, so things like Twitch integrations and TikTok integrations make a ton of sense for us. Didn't mean you wouldn't in the same way for an MMP. That makes a lot of sense. Can you, uh, will you put the mic a little bit to your mouth? Yeah. Um, okay, so, an I mean, we're in the Stardust launch here. Obviously, Web3 is the new sexiness in gaming. Um, how, how do you think that your product sort of fits into that, uh, that narrative overall? Like, is it something that you're aggressively going after? Talk to us that, and then also if you can, how, does, how do you think about cross-platform uh, games? Yeah, so the first question is super interesting. It's something we're spending a lot of time and focus on. I think there's a lot of open questions. For, for us, it, it starts with measurement. It starts with being able to know how players are getting into your ecosystem, how much it's costing you. A lot of those are the tools we already built. Uh, most Web3 games today are PC first, Web first, uh, and Web3. So our tools are built to really solve that problem. And then we start getting into the more advanced problems, like what happens when monetization events are happening on a public chain. They're not happening in your ecosystem. Are you able to take that public transaction data that they have on OpenSea or Magic Leap and you're bringing that into your user ecosystem so you can build an LTV model that actually makes sense for that kind of game? So we're attacking the problem in a bunch of ways, but a lot of it comes back to how can you take the things that have worked for performance marketers on PC, console, mobile, and map that to the new Web3 ecosystem, which is different. It's not the exact same. Uh, and so we're trying to figure out what is different and what is the same and then building the right technologies that support the way players are discovering games in a web first world. Uh, I mean, things like guilds and what does what is, what is a guild look like in the user acquisition journey? Is that where you're finding players? Is that where players are finding you? Is that where you're recruiting players? Are you basically an ad network? These are all really interesting questions that we're spending a lot of time trying to solve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one question I had here is like, um, so you're talking about tech that you're developing. Is there anyone right now who can actually accurately pull LTV from the blockchain? 
for an individual wallet? Is that something you can do? Is it something that, have you partnered with technologies that can do that? Who, yes. who's, the, who's the guy we should go talk to about so this? Yeah, interesting. Warren, any questions on that piece? <laughs> nope. <laughs> cool. Um, so you, you sort of talked about this. That we talked about Web3 as a major trend. Is there any other major trends that you're looking towards in terms of what's happening in the, as a macro trend in the games industry? That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Uh, and you know, I think one of the things that we think about a lot is performance marketing, obviously. And so you, you sort of mentioned that you have a tool to help with measuring this. Do you want to speak to that a little bit about how do you, how does Gainsight help measure uh, these influencers as far as like performance marketing goes? Yeah, so that's a great, it's a great question. And certainly, influencer marketing has come a long way in the last couple of years. I think five years ago, it was looked at as almost exclusively a PR activity where your publicist talked with streamers or YouTubers and told them about what you did and hoped that they covered it, kind of like journalists. And then it sort of went through a phase of, okay, well now marketers are starting to think about it, there's community teams, there's influencer managers that come from social, and we're starting to get a lot more sophisticated in thinking about it as a proper marketing channel. So long-winded answer to saying we've actually had to develop really purpose-built models for measuring influencer attribution. You can't just use click-based tracking, hey, influencer, here's a link, put it on your Twitch stream. You can use it, it's helpful, it'll give you some signal, uh, but ultimately we've developed some fairly sophisticated models that try to approximate uh, the answer for what's the value of a content creator to your game, whether that's organic or earned or paid. So yeah, it's a, it's a super tough problem. We crunch a metric ton of data to try to answer this, and I think we do a pretty good job of giving uh, useful Awesome. So, uh, on sort of the opposite trend, uh, what do you think, or on the opposite note, what do you think is a trend that is underrepresented currently in terms of the, or is it getting enough attention at GDC and the game industry writ large uh, relative to how important it actually is? Well, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot. I think oftentimes it's just things that aren't sexy that people don't really talk about because they're not sexy. I'll give you a really not sexy one is search, Google search. <laughs> uh, it tends to be when we look at our kind of 
index of performance, Google search is sort of like tried and true and works really well. We see especially smaller studios, smaller games that tend not to do it. Uh, they focus on you know, maybe putting larger budgets into flashier, sexier things. And Google search works. It's your captured intent, you're capturing those sort of players that are looking for things totally like your thing. Uh, conversion rates tend to be pretty high. So I think it's like, it's funny when you said the word traditional earlier, it's like, yeah, I don't know, Facebook ads and like Google <laughs> search ads, these things that are like, we're cutting edge and now they're not. They work really well, and they shouldn't be forgotten about because you know, Twitch streamer is like everyone likes to watch their game be played on the front page of Twitch. That's just what a lot of developers have. And right. They're not being the most social channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, uh, let's get specific then. What are uh, what's one project that you or you can do a couple projects? What is uh, what are some specific projects that you're not working on that you think need some attention? Welcome to the club. <laughs> my entire life. Right. Um, and I think the web free version of Magic, which there's some companies working on now, Johnson Chains, Splinterlands, both projects that I remember of those communities right. that I'm excited about. I don't know if those will be the magic of the web free, but I think the, the idea that Chris, okay, Warren's going to talk to you about about cards. The idea that you own your cards is something that has made sense to Magic players for a long time. Mitko did that in, I think, Arena, which is, is a project I do work on, and I love Arena. I don't know my cards on Arena. Like, collection really hasn't mean anything to me on Arena. I love the gameplay and the client, but I love the concept that there's this new ecosystem of So, so Warren chiming in here for my one valuable question. So I'm, I'm a big Magic player too, and, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why Magic players hate, hate, hate NFTs and all things blockchain so much, or like the, is the average Magic player. Like to me, it seems like the most natural fit in the world. I'm curious, you know, being having one leg in both spaces, Adam, like what, what do you think about that particular play, player segment, you know, being that CCGs are such a natural fit? Please do. <laughs> their preferences. No, I, I, I don't have an answer. I wish I, I wish I had an answer. I think that there are a couple things. I think Magic players generally like things that are well thought out and planned and strategic. And the current sort of Web3 ecosystem is not that. It's a bunch of people trying to figure things out as they go. And that doesn't really map to the way I think we think about Magic and we think about the card sets. And if you look at the things Magic players complain about the most, I think they're oftentimes things that were just not super well thought out. In terms of the real money stuff, yeah, I have no idea. It seems like a perfect fit for the, the, the magic ecosystem. Players love BitGo. BitGo used to allow you to like, right, basically like scan your physical cards in to get a digital representation. Right. Got away from that. That makes a lot of sense. The game quality isn't there. I don't know if the ecosystems are quite there yet. I think we'll get there, and I won't be surprised if a few years from now we look back and go, wow. That community, when they moved over, they really moved over and they went all the way in. Uh, yeah, I wish, I'm, I'm sure I could make a lot of money if I had a really good answer to that question. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, like, how long before Hasbro does it? Like, how long before we get literally magic on the blockchain? Is that like, you, I mean, they're obviously printing money with Arena right now. But do you think they're ever going to make the leap? Or is it going to, they're going to be dragging their feet in someone like Splinterland? What's it Splinterland? What's it Splinterland. Splinter, Splinterland or um, with the, Gods of Train is the other one you've talked about, um, is going to become the winner. So I, I mean, there are some implications with, with Hasbro specifically in, in Magic just in terms of like 
they need to be careful that, that magic cards aren't sort of like turning like gambling and loot boxes. Right. And so it's something that I think for a long time they've had to fight this like secondary market securitization basically yeah, of your magic you're, cards you're, you're selling kids you know lottery tickets and like that's something that exists from the sort of legacy of their business that maybe makes it specifically more challenging for them to do it than Splinterlands that has been around for a year and a half or whatever uh, maybe they will I don't think that that's totally out of the question I know Hasbro has um, I think they've announced a partnership with Max maybe that they're doing some stuff with some other Hasbro IPs so I get there for sure. Watsi and Magic and Watsi and Hasbro are Fortune 500 company. They're probably going to be the first ones to try something. Right, right. Um, especially something that has so much legal risk to it. I won't be surprised to see them move in once it's a little more uh, stable ecosystem. And, and hopefully it, it works really well. I would, I would want to own buy in, yeah. You Black Lotus and, you know, the new version of, like, NFT Magic or whatever. Like, how cool would that be? Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we got our CCG conversation in. Okay, um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or check out Gainsight, where can they do that? Uh, we can go to our website, gainsight.io. You can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, Adam Esteem. Gainsight on Twitter. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter, our website. Then, yeah, I'm easy to get a hold of on Twitter, and I will respond. I'm not famous or anything. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Thank you very much, Adam. So, we're continuing with our Uptick GVC mini podcast profile series, and uh, who do we have with us today? Hey guys, my name is Shahar Sorek. I'm the CMO, uh, the Chief Marketing Officer of Overwolf, uh, the world's leading user-generated content for games. Awesome. Shahar, so can you, you tell us a little bit more about uh, Overwolf and you know, what you guys have historically done uh, in gaming and you know, where, where you're going next? Great, thank you. Um, so Overwolf is a platform that connects uh, creators that generate or create user-generated content on games. That could be overlays or mods or private servers uh, for gamers to consume. So basically, we're a marketplace that on one hand, we have a little north than 31 million gamers. And on the other hand, we have around 100,000 creators. Um, and basically creators do all sorts of creations on the platform and then gamers play them. And we also have a monetization scheme that helps creators make money. And in, in that sense, we kind of created a new profession we, we, we call the in-game creator, uh, which allows uh, DLC and add-on content to make money off, off their passion. Awesome. Cool. Well, I, I'd like to get a little bit into your perspective on some of the trends uh, that you're seeing in the industry right now and maybe in particular this year at GDC. So if you would, like, what, what's a trend you see generally in gaming right now uh, that, that you'd like to call out that you think should be talked about a bit more? So uh, in general, our, our view is that user-generated content and allowing uh, the players to play and tweak uh, the game environment and IP is going to be the core theme for the next decade in gaming. And I think uh, last year with our Roblox IPO, we've seen a major shift also in the understanding of the AAA game studios that this thing is coming and they need to heed the fact that if they want to have a share of the next era of gamers, they need to allow their IPs to be malleable uh, for extensibility and, and uh, all sorts of uh, creations on it. And I think that games and studios in general that are thinking about UGC as a strategy 
uh, they should be thinking about UGC and a strategy and team up with teams such as Overwolf to figure out how to do that in the future. Expanding a little bit more on, on UGC, you know, obviously uh, Web3 is a hot topic this year at UGC. Uh, I'm curious um, how you see UGC, if you could expand a little bit more on how you see UGC evolving uh, as Web3 gets more massive. Yes, so I think, I think these are two parallel uh, uh, trends that are go will go hand in hand. Um, Web3 has some of the fundamentals that can empower UGC. Uh, with a little note, I don't think that Web3 has, has matured to a place where it can do that at the moment. It holds the promise of helping creators um, uh, build uh, their creations in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that would allow for the participation of not only the creators but also the gamers in a unique and new way. But I don't think the, the Web3 market is still there as a whole. I think that we're seeing early signs with you know, projects like Azuki or some others that are creating new ways for gamers to participate. Um, in general, the dynamics currently at Web3, any, any, any game that has a token that's stuck to, uh, to an exchange is not really a game uh, in, in the sense that the, at least the gamers are used to, to experiencing it. I think that once you mix up the the pull of making money off a game and playing a game, these are two competing uh, uh, two competing incentives. I think that the, the the future lies perhaps in in allowing Web three to dictate how an IP behaves rather than uh, how to make money off it. So you know, if you have a character or uh, an era in the game that is fragmented into keys that are NFTs that open it up. Uh, all sorts of things that allow you to tweak with the IP rather than market and, 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 and trade it. Right, it almost sounds like you're saying um, this era of early Web3 gaming is sort of shoehorning games in a particular direction. That's, um, yeah. Yes, and, and, and you know, in, in terms of numbers, it's not, these are not, Web3 does not hold big numbers. I mean, you have one gigantic uh, game Web3 related, which is Axie, and even, you know, if it has a few million users, it's 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 not it's not big numbers in terms of games, it's mobile games in particular, and also uh, any kind of game really. Um, so I think that we'll be seeing, and, and it's one game. So we need to see that scale into into more into more uh, audiences. We need to find the audiences that seeks the type of Web three experiences that we fantasize about, and we also need to mature the technology and the game experience to a place where. They're actually offering a utility and, and upgrading the experience of the game. I mean, in general, I think there's a big macro macro level, a big change, social change in how people view their identity. I think that the digital identity today and what's going on with Web3 allows you to extend your identity and sense of self. And that has will have big implications on how we play games. And we're seeing the beginning of it now and the promise of it, but it's still kind of middle way or the beginning of the way to figure out how it's really going to affect gamers at large. I think that's one of the most level-headed takes that I've, I've heard on the current state of things. People tend to be extreme Kool-Aid drinking. You know, I, I'd probably lean a little more towards that side or just like, just like you know, this is, this is dead on arrival. Like Web3 and gaming will never be anything. So I think that's a very fair take on the current state. Um, getting back to current kind of state of the industry, what's something that you think uh, people are not talking about that's being ignored uh, but deserves to be highlighted? A, a trend, a technology, a game genre? I, I think that there's new game experience that can be made with existing dynamics 
um, that aren't necessarily being treated. It's it's a bit hard for me to get too specific on it. So, so I don't. I I'm, I'm trying to think on how I can uh, iterate that. I think that there's there's cross pollination between genres that hasn't been fully exploded yet in games. Uh, we've seen some of it happen in, in the casual games. You know, uh, a match three that also has a storyline. Uh, I think that the, in the forex games and some of the other genres, there's more potential to enhance and, and grow an experience. And I also think that some of the real world dynamics, um, you know, I, I Pokemon Go and, and some of those games that combine real world events with, with, with real games, there's more potential to explore there. And I think we're going to see some new studios that are going to have new takes of it. I also see uh, uh, a big difference between uh, areas in the world and what games fit what genre, what, what particular demographic and area in the world. And I think that we're going to see more area-focused uh, games. For instance, we talk about Web3 a lot. Clearly, Web3 has an advantage to third world countries and places that can't get banked. It also has a utility of, of getting banked. So. Different areas hold different promises and, and different game experiences, and I think we're going to see some of those defragmentations. Also, one thing that is particular to, to us in Overwolf and what we're seeing from user-generated content is that small communities that create things in, in, in small pockets are going to be a thing of the future. And right now, people don't look at micro-UGC experiments as, a, as an industry. But if you look at some of what's going on in private servers, uh, GTA, 5M, Hypixel, uh, some others, you're going to see a new form of game making and entertainment emerge from that. And I would uh, heed for those who want to experiment to kind of look at where those trends are going. They're at the cutting edge of inventing entertainment at large. So we're going to see more of that come to the forefront. Love that answer. Thank you. Uh, last question. We're really trying to highlight up-and-coming developers and games uh, this year. What's one project or team that you want to shout out that you think people should really keep an eye on this next year? Wow. Wow. So... Could be something out today. Could be something upcoming. A game in particular. I have all sorts of technological solutions that I know that are coming that I'm excited about. A game in particular. I won't say The Witcher, <laughs> the next installation. Um, I don't have a clear answer on that. No worries. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do a technology then. You said there's some technologies that you're really excited about. Yeah, a lot of stuff in AI is happening. Uh, to where we're going to see AI move in and give us game experiences and, and enhance NPCs and all sorts of interactions in the game in ways we haven't seen before. Um, and entirely, the entire environment could be simulated in a way that will allow immersion and gameplay happen and. I'm looking forward to seeing some of that come to play in the games. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making the time to stop by with us today. Uh, if people want to learn more about your company or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Best way to go to overwolf.com and kind of explore it. It's a whole UGC universe. Uh, see what we're doing. For me, just ping me directly, LinkedIn or whatnot. I'm very available. Anybody who wants to talk UGC, we'll direct them to the right place or with myself. Web3 initiatives and thoughts on UGC, again, ping me directly. Very responsive, love teams, love new ideas. Anybody that wants to talk shop is more than welcome. Jahar, thank you so much for joining thank you. us. And uh, please stick with us this week. Uh, the Uptick team will continue to be bringing you this mini podcast series live from GDC.